You're listening to Make Your Way, and this is another between Betweenisode. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm good. I am so excited to do our launch update from Yay. season three. I'm sure people have been just like waiting on the edge of their seats to know <laughs> how did our products launch. And if you haven't been waiting on the edge of your seat, well, we're going to tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited to dive into to this with you, Sarah. And I'm curious because this was your first kind of product launch mm-hmm. that you had done. What surprised you about it? Like, were there good surprises, bad surprises, neutral surprises? What were the things that you were like, huh, wasn't expecting that? (laughs) Yeah, well, yes, this whole process has been a a learning experience um, from the beginning in terms of making this thing. Um, And, you know, there was a lot of learning about different platforms and different design things and different you know, ways to, to make this thing into a thing. Um, and so I felt like it was a lot of experimentation kind of all the way along. And, uh, so I guess one thing that didn't really surprise me was that it was still kind of an experimentation in the launch launch phase. Um, but one of the things that was, uh, kind of a frustrating surprise is that, um, you know, our sales have not been great. So, um, as of when we're recording this, which is kind of end of November in 2018, um, we've only sold six copies of the toolkit, <laughs> which, uh, when you look at it is not very much money because it is like, we're selling it for, th- I think $30. Um, and so that's, you know, pennies basically coming in on this thing. Um, and so you can look at that bottom line and say, wow, like that's a really big flop and didn't work well at all. Um, and I have done that. I've done a certain amount of beating myself up about that, I'll be honest. Um, but then when I step back and kind of look at the context a little more, I can um, I can understand why that happened. I can understand um, some of the other the factors at play. Uh, and I know we'll dive into a lot of those. But in terms of surprises, um, you know, one of the biggest surprises in terms of functionality of, of the material is uh, this was really built for people who are kind of in... in um, training roles or in other sorts of uh, areas around early childhood, uh, looking to kind of train their staff or have conversations with their staff around this idea of trauma and stress and resilience and um, building relationships with young children. And so we were really expecting people to kind of take the materials and run with them and and use them creatively however they wanted to. Um, Some of the feedback that we have gotten suggests actually that people want kind of instructions for how to use this thing um, and, and want it to be a little bit more prescribed. Um, and so as a result of that, Tracy, my colleague who I, I developed this thing with, uh, she and I are in conversations about how to, you know, add to that and address those concerns uh, in some in some interesting ways and, and, you know, minimally by providing some instructions for how would you use this in a training and the, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that was the most surprising. I was sort of expecting people to kind of just be like, cool, yeah, I'll take it and run with it and use it however, however it makes sense to me. Um, but it seems that people are, are kind of more wanting a little bit more structure than I was anticipating. So that was, that was a surprise. So between that and the sort of low sales, those were sort of the two big, like, huh, <laughs> surprises. Um, but as I said, we're, we're kind of talking about how to, how to address some of those concerns and understanding the context a little bit more. Um, and we can talk about that more as we go. But uh, Katie, I am also curious about your launch and uh, what surprised you? 
So um, it's hard to know for my product. I launched it in June of this year. And as you mentioned, as we record this, it's kind of end of November. Um, so the first question is like, when did my launch period end? Right. <laughs> because <laughs> Yeah, there's that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like it's still launching in some ways because mm -hmm. I'm actively marketing it on social media. And because it launched in the middle of summer, I kind of counted at least a couple of months into the fall as the launch period because I figured some people might be interested in using this product for, for faculty learning communities and things like that. So um, as of right now, it, you know, if, if I can't determine when the launch window ends, um, as of right now, the product has made a little over $10,000 um, in revenue. That does not count the business expenses of printing <laughs> the workbook um, and shipping the workbook. So that's mm -hmm. something that gets kind of taken out of each sale. And right now, um, depending on how you buy the product, minimally, you're purchasing it for $450 and then the workbook comes with that. Um, so a couple things I think that have surprised me is I expected more institutional members with mm. this and I got way more individual sales, which hmm. is awesome. Like, I, but I was not expecting that. Yeah. So it's very cool. And like, I'm so glad that individual people are purchasing this. It surprises me a little bit that there are not clearly like other things that are helping them at their institutions to do this. Like mm -hmm. I figured that pe many people would come to this like through a center for teaching and learning and they're coming to it like on their own. So that was really interesting and surprising. Um, the other thing I think that was a little bit surprising was this is the first time I've done like a live Q and A session with mm. a course. And I do that on a quarterly basis. Um, and the first couple have gone okay, but it's definitely not something that seems to be a huge draw for people, hmm. which I, it was just an experiment. I didn't really know. And I think that right now I'm trying to think of like how many people are in the course at this point, probably between 20 and 25 ish, you know, kind of around that range. So it's not a huge number actually to draw from in terms of coming to these events, but that was kind of surprising to me too. Um, and will definitely help me think in the future about whether or not I want to continue to do that with mm -hmm. these courses. There's definitely quite a bit of maintenance there. Um, and then I've also engaged in continued maintenance of like adding things into the course in terms of resources. Um, so it's, I would say it's less of a surprise, but more of a question mark as mm -hmm. to like how important that is to people. Um, I do have a newsletter that goes out once a month that tells you about updates to the course. And there are many people who are on that newsletter that are not course purchasers. Mm. So I find that really interesting that people are wanting to kind of stay engaged with what I'm doing with it, but they're not, they haven't bought it yet, which mm -hmm. makes me think there's a pipeline of people who might be interested in purchasing it. Um, but I mean, I think what's kind of interesting about it is the last thing I guess I'll say about surprises is I think that there's going to be a seasonality to this course. I've only had it launched for less than six months, but there are definitely pockets of time in the year where it's easier for me to market it, mm -hmm. like right before the summer, which I launched it in the middle of the summer. So I'm really curious to see how like April and May goes for this particular product. And also right before the school year starts, as people are thinking about, um, the kinds of services that they want to offer to faculty through a center for teaching and learning. And I'm still definitely marketing it toward individual people and to institutions. So that's mm -hmm. been kind of an interesting um, juggling act a little bit with the marketing side. But I'm really curious for you, Sarah, what, if anything, you've learned about marketing through this? Because I think that is such a huge piece of this product launch stuff. Like you have to think about your audience and like the different ways that you're marketing it and how you're talking about it. And it's really difficult to keep talking about something for a long period of time. Like I understand why people do like 
quarterly launches or like twice a year launches or even once a year launches because how do you kind of keep giving out information that seems fresh and new when really you're just kind of saying the same things over and over again about a product so anyway i'm i'm really curious to hear about that and if you've learned anything about marketing it's funny because you know this is an audio medium and so people can't see our faces but katie as you asked that question i'm over here like busting out laughing and trying to be quiet about it because uh for me the main learning about marketing is that yeah you you, you have to do it Tur- turns out it's important <laughs> Uh, and I say that because my marketing um, strategy and, and plan did did not come to fruition in the way that I would have kind of originally planned and hoped it would. So um, there are reasons for that. So I launched the uh, toolkit in April, I want to say, um, kind of in conjunction with a conference presentation Tracy and I were doing. Um, and so we launched it then. Uh, and so I had a few things kind of going out on social and a few things, I think, on an email list. And, and we shared it a little bit with some of our colleagues, but neither one of us really kind of had the capacity at that point to step forward and like institute an entire marketing plan where we would like email organizations or, you know, kind of reach out to our networks in a really concerted way or put things out in social on social um, kind of consistently. And then the next month is when my father-in-law died. So <laughs> life intervened and said, yeah, no, you're going to focus on the things that are really, you know, fires immediately burning in your vicinity as opposed to um, something like this toolkit marketing, which got put way on the back burner. Understandably so. Um, but since then, I haven't really um, kind of come back to it again, which is, you know, symptomatic of having to kind of keep a lot of things um, rolling through that that period of uncertainty this summer and um, really focusing on the things that like had deadlines and stuff I actually had to be really um, paying attention to. But um, the the kind of interesting part of that is that now I'm coming back around to it and um, Tracy and I are in some conversations about how do we want to improve it and change it and then do a more full and concerted launch um, to both of our networks. So now we're actually thinking about sort of launch part two, <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way, um, which is the great thing about some of these kinds of online products is that it doesn't really matter when you launch it, because you can kind of either relaunch it or, um, you know, do a, a secondary launch if you change things. So it's sort of a pilot launch and then a, and then a full launch. So we're sort of thinking of it um, as this first period is, of really being a pilot where we're trying things out. Uh, and so that's actually been helpful framing um, when thinking about the context of, of all of this and why we haven't done as well. Well, we haven't done as well because we didn't market it. <laughs> like we didn't, we didn't do the things we know we knew we needed to do in order to make it successful. And so we're, we're putting more thought and energy into that now. Um, and really thinking about how do we tie this into presentations that we're giving and how do we make sure that we are, you know, collecting emails when we do give presentations, uh, you know, from people who might be interested in this, uh, in this topic and making sure that we're following up with people and, and, you know, we want to make sure that we have something we can reach out to our networks with and be proud of. So we're making some tweaks, not only to the content in the toolkit, but also being a lot more thoughtful about, okay, what does a launch actually look like? So, you know, to answer your question, marketing, it's important. (laughs) It turns out you have to tell people about the stuff you do in order for them to know about it and subsequently buy it. So right. Marketing is a thing. It's a (laughs) thing we have to do. Uh, and I feel like, uh, you know, and Katie, maybe you can speak to this too. Uh, I feel like coming from an academic environment, I still fall into the trap of having a hard time 
talking about the stuff I do all the time. And part of that is a personality thing too. I think I just, I'm, I'm uncomfortable being like, look at this cool thing I did, you know, repeatedly over and over again on social media. So I'll do a couple of, you know, a few tweets about it and then be like, well, everybody knows about it already. I, I shouldn't say it again. Like, but tweets are there for, you know, a half a second before they fall down on someone's newsfeed. So the reality is you have to spend more time and energy talking about it. But for somebody like me, that's uncomfortable to begin with. And then, you know, in the academic world, you're not taught how to do that. And it's not prioritized in in the same way. Um, And so I've been, I've been having to learn that method and some of those, those ways of doing things. And it's been a hard learning and I'm not very good at it still, but um, I'm hoping to kind of apply, apply some of what I've learned and observed from others who are doing, doing really well at talking about the cool stuff they're doing um, and kind of incorporating that into my own approach. So yeah, I'd be curious your thoughts on marketing and how your marketing work. Cause I know you, you spend a lot more time and energy talking about it and really thinking about how to launch this product um, more systematically. So I'd be curious how you felt like that worked or didn't or somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do feel like it worked. I think the challenge of, like I kind of mentioned earlier is like the continual marketing of it. Like mm-hmm. the launch itself, I felt like was very clearly a launch. Like I had definite like avenues to talk about it through my podcast, through my newsletter. I also sent a couple emails to like a very select group of people, like letting them know. And these were typically like past speaking clients mm-hmm. that I had gone to their campus and they knew me and they knew my work. And a couple of them ended up buying, you know, institutional memberships. And um, so that was a good return, you know, on that. But I think that I'm very careful with not kind of um, returning to that pot of people too often. Like it's mm-hmm. usually if I have something that I really think they're going to like, you know, right. that that would be a good fit for them. So I'm, I'm pretty careful about that. Um, but the challenge, I think, for me, too, is I launch things relatively frequently. Like mm-hmm. I always have something going on. And so... This fall, I launched Prolific, um, Mm -hmm. which is my new community for academic writers. And I think that as I launch new things, I have to like juggle when I'm going to talk about the other things that are out there that I still that are still like totally relevant and interesting to people and that not everybody knows about yet. Right. So what I did in the beginning as kind of like a maintenance mode for Sotal by Design was I tweeted about it daily and I continue to do that. Mm -hmm. So like I have set up tweets they talk about all different kinds of things about it. Like I Mm -hmm. talk about the different modules. I talk about the workbook. I talk about the, you know, all different kinds of aspects of the course in different tweets. And um, those get a lot of likes and retweets from people. Mm -hmm. So I know that people are still kind of learning about it and it's getting out there. I think eventually I will pull back on that and not do the daily. And by daily, I mean five times a week, just Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, And at different times of the day, I'm trying to kind of make sure that it's getting out there. But I think that um, as I launch more new things, obviously that that kind of um, passive income streams, like they fall to the background a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of like what's available. And also the more stuff you have that you're trying to market, the you have to be kind of careful that you're not overdoing it in mm-hmm. terms of just like putting everything out there all at once. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of a delicate balance. I've really been trying to kind of think about that. Um, And like, I'll give you an example. So as we record this, Black Friday was yesterday. um, Mm -hmm. And I had so many emails in my inbox that were like, buy this thing. Here's a discount, like whatever, whatever. And a couple years back, I did a Black Friday thing, like for my small business. And I can't even remember if I did one last year, but I 
this year I was like, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not. Like, there are so many things I could have done. I could have offered yep. a discount code. I could have offered a free coaching session. Like, I mean, there's so many. And I was just like, no, like, people yeah. are inundated with this. Like, yeah. and I'm not going to kind of join it. So there's these different kinds of marketing tactics that work. Like, let mm-hmm. me be clear. They work. They That's could they bring in money. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I wanted to do this at the end of the year, like, I could do it and I could have a little more income. But I just don't, you know, like I'm starting to think really carefully about like what I value and what I want to put out there Mm -hmm. and like how the marketing really attaches to like my larger brand. And I was just talking um, last week, actually, I was at a conference and I ran into some people and they were asking me some questions about my new book, Mm. which is about managing your identity online, your Mm -hmm. academic identity online or your professional identity online. I should know the title of my own book. Um, <laughs> we'll link to it in the show notes oh, in case anybody wants to know. <laughs> and um, wants to know the actual title. <laughs> but they were asking me about whether or not writing the book had impacted how I act online. Mm. And I said that it actually made me go to like the far end of the spectrum in terms of my own experimentation because I felt like I had to do that in order to talk about a lot of stuff. So like I rejoined mm. Facebook and like mm-hmm. I did a lot of things so that I could get the experience of doing those things. And I told them, I said, if you watch me for the next year or so, you're going to start to see me pull back in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause I did it so that I could talk about it and I could have the experience of it, but that's not really what I want to be doing. And right. even quitting Facebook was, you know, part of that, you know, like starting to kind of let my values lead that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same with marketing. Mm-hmm. You have to try a lot of stuff so that you can say you tried it and you can see what works and what doesn't for your audience. But then at some point you have to kind of pull back And there's also, I think, a point where you have a little bit of a critical mass Mm -hmm. where people are paying attention to your work enough that they're coming to you without some of that. Like you're Mm -hmm. getting word of mouth clients and things like that, that you can start to pull back on like the heavy social media marketing because Mm -hmm. you're getting enough kind of other kinds of marketing that maybe you're not controlling, but you have a client base that's, you know, recommending people to come to you and work with you and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm maybe getting to the cusp of that like I don't want to say for sure but I am getting more word of mouth clients these days and I think my website traffic is you know relatively strong that I'm not going to have to be like constantly like posting about this stuff on social mm-hmm. so and and I welcome that time yeah. I welcome <laughs> yeah. that time when I'm not constantly having to write posts about you yeah. know whatever backlist mini course I have that could be useful to people right so that's kind of what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. when it comes to the marketing side. Um, you had mentioned, though, Sarah, this idea of success mm-hmm. and trying to make this a success. Given that you didn't maybe have the revenue that you wanted with this, mm-hmm. what is success meant for you with this particular project and this launch? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, success uh, for this launch is not about the bottom line. Uh, and that became pretty clear pretty quick quick when it when it was not going to sell a lot. And I, I, I don't want to misrepresent this either because I I was experimenting, right? I was like, I mean, if one person buys this and finds it valuable, like, great, that's awesome. You know, a lot of this stuff would normally be things I would be offering for free anyway. And so I'm putting a price tag on it and let's see what happens. So, you know, I didn't have huge expectations for it to be this big giant thing, but I also put a lot of time and energy into it and as did my colleague Tracy. And so for both of us, there's a, there's some thinking around, okay, how do we make this into something that can work for us in different ways? And so, um, you know, success has really been 
thinking about that and learning about that and, you know, reminding myself that yes, in term, you do in fact have to market something for people to know about it. Um, you know, you do have to talk about it in these spaces in order for it to be real. And so um, it's been helpful in that way. Uh, and so it's success in, in the sense of learning new things. I think it's been a huge success. I learned a ton, not only about the production side of things and getting all the, this all pulled together, I also learned a lot about like working with somebody else and, you know, playing to each of our strengths and figuring out how we could make a cool thing together. I learned a lot about, you know, different kinds of, of video production kinds of things that I hadn't done before. Um, and so from just a basic learning standpoint, it was a huge success. And so I, I do try to take comfort in that whenever I get down on myself about the revenue, like, oh, I didn't make very much. Um, but the, the other reality is that a lot of my work consistently is um, stuff that that kind of continues to grow in the background and that I continue to build on. And so, so true. this is one of those examples of a thing that I can take and use for years. I mean, like it's, it's easy to go in and change tweak a little thing or, you know, infuse it with a little bit of new idea or whatever, and just continue to push it out there for as long as I want to and, and get creative with how to use it and what else to do for kind of complimentary content, either free or also paid, right? I can put together packages of like webinar content to go with the toolkit, right? Like there's there's so many possibilities of things I can do with this moving forward. And so frankly, it was a success by even getting it up and out and created in the first place. Like that, that in and of itself was a success. So between that and the learning and the kind of having a thing I can continue to work with and try things with and, um, you know, adapt and use in ways that I, I will find helpful, I hope, and that I think Tracy will also find helpful. Um, that's a win. I mean, that that's huge. And that's a huge success. So even though the numbers at the six month, you know, release point is pretty minimal, <laughs> Tracy and I would joke like, Oh, hey, I can buy a coffee with that. Awesome. <laughs> Um, hey, yeah. that's a coffee you couldn't buy before. <laughs> that's a my coffee friend. I couldn't have before. So, uh, yeah. So you know the, the the pennies are trickling in, so to speak. But um, I, I find it valuable to have learned what I've learned, and I find it valuable to think about the different ways I can use this going forward. I I don't think. I'm only ever going to sell six of this thing, right? Like, I, I think it has a future. I think there's more to it. Um, I don't think it was a total failure. I don't think it's worthless, right? Like, there there is value there. And it's just a matter of figuring out how to capitalize on it and use it in ways that make sense for me. So, yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And I think that this is one of those areas where we don't always think super creatively. It's right. like we try it and then it doesn't work. And then we're like, oh, well, that didn't work. I guess I have to move on to something entirely different. And I think one of the best choices I've made in the last year or so was to take my webinar series and turn it into mini courses. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to re-record everything. I didn't have, you know, like that was just like, and I did it on faith. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, maybe this will come to something someday. Like, I mean, and it was a lot of time that went into that. But, you know, I look at my email at the end of the day and somebody's bought one of these mini courses and that now they've been exposed to my work and they have kind of entered into my sales funnel in a different way than just listening to a podcast or reading a blog post. Right. You know, like anytime someone buys one of my books or buys one of those mini courses, which is the, like the lowest value thing that mm-hmm. I offer. Lowest value is not the right word. The lowest cost right. um, <laughs> thing that I offer. There's a lot of value in those things. Um, <laughs> but it 
gets them comfortable with the idea that I sell things mm-hmm. and that I sell things that will be valuable to them. And mm-hmm. maybe they will two years from now be a coaching client. You know, yep. like you don't ever you know. Don't know. And I think that the more you build up, you know, the other thing I've done with a lot of my mini courses is I give them as a free thing to Mm -hmm. clients who need something on that topic. Mm -hmm. Like I have a lot of clients who do book proposals Mm -hmm. and I give them my book proposal mini course and I'm like, check this out. You know, this might be useful for you as a starting point. It gives you this feeling of generosity Mm -hmm. when you can have this stuff that not everybody else gets. Yeah. And you give it as like a special bonus Mm -hmm. to these people. It's the same way I feel about prolific with my writing group members. Like Mm -hmm. you have purchased this thing. I'm going to give you this extra bonus because you, yeah, like I value you and I want to support you. And this is a way that I can do that. So I, it adds up like Mm -hmm. really quickly Mm -hmm. and it's different than the stuff you give away for free through podcasting or through blogging or whatever. And it's hard to see that when Mm -hmm. you're just starting out and you're like, okay, this is a lot of time and I'm not seeing a lot of return, but I do feel like it builds your expertise. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there's so many kind of things that go into it that are valuable to your business. Well, and one of the things that Tracy and I are excited about and are are kind of going to be trying out this winter um, with a organization here that we work with fairly regularly is we're giving an online webinar um, and we have incorporated the toolkit into the basically negotiated it into the fee that that organization is going to charge people to to buy the webinar right so like (laughs) at the end of the day we're going to do pretty well if we can get people to sign up for the for that uh professional development training and that's something where this organization has a lot more reach than we would normally and for them it's it's uh, sort of lower cost because they don't have, normally they do in-person uh, professional development trainings. And this is kind of their first foray into online kind of more professional webinar kinds of things. And so for them, like they don't have to get an event space. They don't have to provide, you know, food. They don't have to, any of those kinds of costs are gone. And so for them, they're like, yeah, sure. We'll incorporate that as a part of the fee. Like that's fine. And so we're getting creative about how to do that. And, and if we can take that to other organizations as well, um, because then it's incorporated into something that she and I do regularly anyway, which is presenting to a group of people. So if we can get creative about how we incorporate the toolkit and actually use it as a part of the, uh, the presentation itself uh, and using those materials, it makes sense to say, hey, you know, people who come to this presentation need to buy the toolkit in order to get the most out of it uh, in, in order to participate in the in the program. So, um, yeah, so we're getting creative about some of those things, which I'm excited about. And um, then it's not so much about like you having to kind of bang on people's doors and say, hey, buy my cool thing. It's more about, hey, if you're going to be a part of this learning experience, here's this other thing you get for this fee that you would pay this organization anyway, right? Like right. You're, you're getting this this added value thing from us um, that hopefully you can take and use in your own work. So um, yeah, yeah it, it's been, you know, as much as the sort of not selling very many has been a disappointment, I think if I had sold a bunch, I would have gotten, I would have been less creative about what to do with it next. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say I haven't been thinking about that from the very beginning, but, um, you know, I think the the need to kind of reform and, and reframe in my mind what it is this thing is and what it could do um, has been a little more pressing because we didn't do as well on sales. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll see where the next yeah. generation goes. Well, I think it's that idea of like, you're more creative when you're under constraint. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, it's what's challenging, I think, in the small business context is you don't want that 
constraint to lead to desperation. Right. Where you're doing stuff that falls outside your values or what you think Mm -hmm. is the value of the product or whatever. Um, But I think that that creativity piece is Mm -hmm. huge because you're right. If it's selling just fine, you're not going to be like, okay, what else can I do? You're just gonna be like, okay, it's selling just fine. Like I can move on to something else. (laughs) Right, right. When really like there's some cool stuff that you could build into that. But yeah, one of the things that this launch has gotten me thinking about, and and in particular, because I've had some questions from my institutional clients is how do I start to explain to people like the constellation of what I have? Mm. Because I think people, unless I'm talking to them, and they, they say, like, here are my goals, and I can say, okay, well, that's that your goals map onto my products this way mm-hmm. like it and here's a product that might be especially helpful for you in this context mm-hmm. i think they get kind of overwhelmed mm-hmm. with how many possibilities there are and mm-hmm. i was just talking with a client and i was kind of walking her through like now i have this online writing community and i can come to your institution and i have these courses and you know like there's all these different and i have the writing groups like and especially for academic writers i have this kind of menu of options of mm-hmm. how i can work with them um both privately and at an institutional level. And she was like, can you just write me an email and like, you know, give me like the rundown of all these different things and where I can find them and what the costs are. And I'm like, well, yes, of course, like Mm -hmm. I will do that. But I'm like, that's supposed to be what my website does. Yeah. And at this point, I'm not entirely sure that like maybe people just don't want to take the time to look. Yeah. But there's this problem of like, how do you represent the kinds of things that you do in a way that people can understand what the range of options are Mm -hmm. in context with each other? Yeah. And with what their needs are. Right. That there's a map that it's like, well, if you need this, I would recommend this thing over here. If you need that, then I would recommend this thing over there. And that's hard. Like that part of the marketing is really difficult. Once you have enough stuff that you offer, Mm -hmm. you have to help people navigate through it in a way that's helping them meet their needs. So I'm chuckling because this is going to seem like a total non sequitur out of left field. But um, I was spending a little time yesterday doing a little online shopping. uh, And I was in need of a bra. And so I went to Third Love, not a sponsor. um, But I went to Third Love. And one of the really interesting things that they do is they have a um, a size finder like quiz, right, where it asks you a bunch of different questions. It says, okay, what's, you know, what's the size of your best fitting bra? And you put it in and then it gives you the next question says, okay, is this, you know, are your, are your straps falling off or whatever, right? Like it asks you all these questions. And at the end, it says, based on what you've told us, here are the three, whatever, or however many, um, primary size, you know, here's your size, first of all, based on what we have. And then here are the three, you know, bras we'd recommend for you to try. And so I think that's an interesting, obviously, like building the logic of all of that seems complicated, potentially. (laughs) I'm already thinking like, like, okay, so how how would I do do that? Right? Yeah. (laughs) But, but I think if you could reduce it to like, three or four of these kind of questions you're getting over and over and over from people, you know, I think for the writing community, it's, are you looking for, um, you know, instruction on how to, you know, write a book proposal, or are you looking for support from a community while you're writing a book proposal, right? Like that, those have two different answers. Um, and so I just, I bring that up because I was like, oh yeah, there are websites that do that. Realize it's much more complicated than that. But, um, yeah, that sort of choose your own adventure model of like, how do I, how do I make sure that I am catering to the individual needs? Because your audience is, pretty diverse and has a lot of different things that they're coming to you for and don't always know what to look for on your website or, you know, how you frame something might not be how somebody else understands it or whatever. So it can get really overwhelming. Um, So, you know, use the third love model. (laughs) 
No, I think that's a great idea. And it really is. Um, it's kind of the idea that a lot of people use where you have like a customer avatar Mm -hmm. and you try to figure out what are they coming in with what are their questions and it's really what you described like Mm -hmm. are you coming in with for like a how-to or are you Mm -hmm. coming in for community are you coming in for you know like are you trying to figure out your life in which case you might need coaching you know like there's all these different things that people come in for and I think what I tried to do and, and if you haven't looked recently and I mean you podcast listeners like I recently redid my website to try to help people navigate it on the landing page Mm -hmm. and to say, first of all, like radical self-trust is front and center. And then here are some of the things that will kind of help you understand the work that I do. Like Mm -hmm. here's the courses, here's the, and I kind of walk people through and, but I still think there's work to be done. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is also why I offer an exploration call with people Mm -hmm. because I want to know what their issue is so that I can say, based on what you've told me, this is what I think Mm -hmm. that you might need. And sometimes what they need is not something I can offer, Mm -hmm. in which case I refer them to another product or service that I think could be useful or a book or whatever, you know, that I think that they could get kind of what they need from. But I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing when it comes to marketing. And as you build, like if you have a product and even a service-based business, I don't think it really matters, but you offer different kinds of packages. Mm -hmm. Each thing has to have enough information that somebody can understand what it is and whether or not it will help them. And anytime someone buys something from you, they're taking a risk. Like, you know, like that's part of why you're building trust with your clients and customers is because they're taking that risk by plunking down some money and saying, okay, I think that what you've said here is what I need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. It's well, and it, the other challenge, right? And we've talked about this on previous episodes, is that a lot of our, a lot of our business, uh, both for you and I, Katie, is is relationship based. And so, you know, there's there's frankly nothing more meaningful in a relationship based kind of you know interaction um, than to have, than to feel like your needs, your unique needs, are being listened to and and right. met and addressed. Um, and so that's a hard thing to do when you're trying to do that on a larger scale. And I'm not right. saying that we're anywhere near the scale of something like third love, but like the, the point remains that it's important for you and I both, both in, in terms of how we run our businesses and in order to, you know, make money at the end of the day to have those strong sort of relational ties with our audience. And how do you build that, um, in a way that also makes you not have to respond to 6,000 emails all the time. Like that's, that's a challenge and I don't have an answer right. for that. Right. Well, and I think it's, it's interesting, like speaking of marketing, I just had a conversation within the past couple of weeks with my business partner who also happens to be my life partner. And he was like, okay, I don't really understand how people are listening to your podcast or reading your blog and then they're hiring you. He's like, I don't really understand how this works. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why that's happening. I don't. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's called a funnel, and our business is basically built on it. (laughs) That that is why I create content. I mean, other than the fact that I enjoy creating content, but like that is a big part of our marketing. Is like, I do these podcast episodes, and there's are sometimes little ads that are placed Mm -hmm. in there that tell people what I do, and that you can hire me, and these are the kinds of services and products that I offer. And but it was interesting because it. Like he just, and, and he buys into this too. Like he buys mm-hmm. stuff based on trust, you know, mm-hmm. like everybody knows how this works, but it is weird when you're the one doing it. Yeah. And like, I had someone contact me last week to build a website for them. And 
she said, I feel like you understand me mm-hmm. because I've read your content mm-hmm. and I identify as an academic creative like you do. Mm-hmm. And I want you to build my website. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so the marketing is working. The marketing like, is the working. language I'm using is working because certain people are really strongly identifying with it yeah. and feeling like this is going to meet their needs. And to be very clear, everything I say in my marketing is how I am. Like, mm-hmm. this is not a tactic. This right. is just my values that people yep. are connecting with. And I think that that's such a cool thing, mm-hmm. like, that you put that out there and people respond. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's also it's very weird. It's also super weird. <laughs> it's, it is. It's very strange that well, people would be like, yes, I want to hire you because I heard your voice on yeah, a podcast and I, talked about this I thing. like what you have to say and you talked about this thing and yeah. like, I want to give you money. Like, it is a very kind of odd thing. It's strange. It's true. This weird world that we live in. Oh, man. Well, so I'm curious, kind of shifting us back a little bit to talk about our, our launches. Is there anything that you would have done differently uh, based on what you've kind of learned and observed um, anything that you would either have done differently or would adjust to do differently next time? That's a really good question. Um, okay, so here's something I'm kind of notorious for. And I don't know that I would do it differently, but it's definitely a pattern that I recognize in myself. Um, and that is that I like to launch things like what? No. very quickly. And I'm like, <laughs> you? Okay, so I, I want to do a thing and I'm going to build it and like, a very short amount of time and then launch it yeah which is basically what happened with prolific like i got the idea and i bought the platform and i launched it within like a 48 hour period because i had a very clear vision of what i wanted and it's going awesome and i'm like super happy with it but it was not and the seed admittedly had been planted like two years ago and i mean it's something that's kind of percolated in the background but once it's like planted yeah for sure it's like okay i'm doing it um and i think with Sotal by design it was very similar and that i had i had the idea i knew i wanted to do another course I was trying to figure it out and I actually did some coaching around it with a coach around like, should I move forward with this? Is this the right idea? Because I knew once I said yes to it, it was going to kind of possess me and like take over and (laughs) I was going to do this thing. And if anybody who's listening was following along with my social during this period, there was like a two month period where I was like crazy about putting this course together and I was writing scripts and I wrote like 30,000 words in two months. And like, I mean, if you listen to season three, you've heard me talk about this. Mm So I, I, I don't know that I would do it differently, but I definitely like it felt very rushed and in some, well, I won't even say it felt rushed because I feel like the quality of what I put out was good quality. And I think sometimes when you rush, you don't have that experience, mm-hmm. but it definitely maybe pressured is yeah. the better word where I knew people wanted to buy this product and I knew they wanted it for the summer. And so I definitely felt this pressure of like, I have to get this done. And I don't do things halfway. So it wasn't like a minimum viable product option. It was right. like, it's it's go big or go home. I'm doing the full thing. And so that's that continues to be a little bit challenging for me. And it's something that I have just in some ways embraced as part of my way that I do things is like once I get an idea, I just kind of go <laughs> for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that I've actually, and I can't remember if I've talked about this on previous episodes, but with the radical self-trust framework that I'm building, I've actually intentionally slowed it down a lot. Like I could be pushing it forward in a lot of ways. And I've had a lot of people asking me about like group coaching and things like that. And I've very intentionally tried to be like methodical and very thoughtful about it. And I don't want it to be kind of this flash in the pan and then it's over. Mm -hmm. Like this feels like a very big deal for me and my business and my values and and what I want to do moving forward. 
So I can control it a little bit, yeah. but I think that that's the part that like it felt very frantic in some ways of, of building that product. And I am so happy with how it turned out. Mm-hmm. And I, I do kind of question the launching of it in June. I think if I had like all the control, well, I do have all the control, but I, I didn't feel like I could like wait another year and launch it in like April of 19, you know, like I, you know, so it kind of launched when it launched and I kind of feel like I did the best I could with what I had Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just actually creating such a huge project in Mm -hmm. such a short amount of time while I was working full time, while I was working on books and other things. Like, I mean, it really, (laughs) it blows my mind a little bit that it even happened at all. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. that I would have done it differently. I just feel like I've, I can recognize some patterns in it that it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not ideal, Yeah. but I don't know how else I would have really done it. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say something similar about the time pressure part of it. Um, You know, and some of that is uh, some of that is real. And some of that is also basically constructed in our own minds (laughs) to tell us. I totally acknowledge that. (laughs) It's super important that I get it done by this day. Like, right. Right. Matter at all. But okay, Yeah. This is why I get anything in my life done, though. Like I have to function in that way or I would just like never do anything. Right. So (laughs) like, why does any of it matter? Yeah. Um, no. And so that, that's, that's definitely, there's definitely motivating part of that. But, um, similarly, because we were trying to, um, to launch it by the time we did the, the, uh, conference presentation that we had already, you know, been slated to do, it meant kind of speeding things up a little bit, um, which was fine. And it meant that it actually launched, right. As opposed to kind of waiting forever and delaying it. But, um, it, you know, that provided some interesting time pressures and, you know, things that I might've explored a little bit differently or, um, kind of massaged a little differently. I didn't have as much time and space to do that. Uh, and so I think as I think about moving this product forward and, and potentially other products in the future, it would be, you know, building in a little bit more buffer time as much as possible <laughs> to kind of allow that to, um, kind of percolate a little bit. Cause I, I do think there's value in kind of sitting with an idea or sitting mm-hmm. with a product, even when it's mostly done for a little bit before you just hit go. Um, because sometimes new and interesting ideas come out of the woodwork, you know, at the almost at the finish line. <laughs> so um, right. I need a little bit more buffer time in the almost at the finish line time, but otherwise I, generally okay. And generally happy with it. Well, and I do have to say for Soto by Design in particular, because it was a really large mm-hmm. project, like yeah, so huge, many videos, huge so many scripts. Yeah, it was a huge undertaking. And I actually think in some ways, here's me getting like on the psychologist's couch right now. <laughs> I think that if I hadn't done it the way I did it, I'm not sure it would be done now. Mm-hmm. Like if I hadn't just slammed it out mm-hmm. and gotten it and like like basically maintained that momentum mm-hmm. the entire time, I would have burned out like yeah. earlier, faster, I wouldn't have finished it. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of me knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and was like, you need to just do this. Just like you need done. to just yep. go get it out, like put it out in the world. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's like little updates and things to it. But the the labor, like mm-hmm. the, the biggest parts of it, the workbook and all of that. I I mean, I think I, I knew it needed to happen in mm-hmm. a relatively short amount of time. And in part because I know my own attention span. Mm-hmm. Like I lose, you know, yep. I get bored and yep. I want to move on to something else. And I know it, nothing I, about this. <laughs> right. I just, you know, yeah. I, so I think that's part of it for me is like, that's another reason I wouldn't do it differently is I'm not sure that I could have and have been successful mm-hmm. 
with finishing it. Um, but the other thing that's kind of interesting, and I'm curious, I want to kind of circle back to this idea of where these products fit within our larger business, because mm-hmm. I'm always on the lookout for the next thing mm-hmm. that will help me to create kind of recurring income that's mm-hmm. a little bit more passive. Yeah. Um, and to think really intentionally about like the ratio of mm-hmm. revenue that something will bring into my business. And this year, Sotal by Design has brought in roughly 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, th- is that something you're thinking about as you're thinking about these products or are you still kind of at the experimental stage where that's not on your mind yet in terms of really thinking about how the income from a product like this is going to replace other kinds of income that you might be bringing in. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this up because I was actually uh, just doing this a week or so ago, um, kind of setting some more <laughs> more concrete uh, 2019 revenue goals than I've than I've set previously, uh, and doing a little bit of that breakdown work on like where is this all going to come from, and what rates do I have to charge, and how many of each thing would I have to do, and all of those kinds of things. Um, and it, it was you know, and it was enlightening, but in a way I wasn't expecting it to be. (laughs) It was enlightening in the, in the sense of like, oh, you know, if, if I want to hit this particular revenue goal, uh, then I, you know, here's how many of these things I have to do. That's actually not as many as I thought it was, or here's how much I'd have to bring in from this side product. Oh, I guess that's actually not, you know, if I set this goal for this portion of the, of the income at, at this level or this percentage or whatever, what does that actually look like? And so I was pleasantly surprised in part because I have that diversification, right? I have income streams coming in from lots of different places. And so I don't have to pour myself a thousand percent into one area right. um, and, and I can kind of divvy things out a little bit. So I have been thinking about that more concretely for 2019. Um, I blame you, Katie. I, I think this is your influence. <laughs> You're making me plan things more, <laughs> which I welcome because I need a little bit, uh, a little bit more planning in my life, um, and a little bit more of a, of a structured goal setting. So we'll see kind of where that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting thinking a little bit about that and and which which areas of my business uh, I want to grow in more and which are actually feasible to grow in more. But there's been some tension there too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm definitely thinking about not only for this product as it exists right now, but what do I, what what are these sort of low hanging fruits that I could use to build on this product for next year to help meet those, those goals. Um, and right. you know, the webinar, webinar thing I mentioned earlier on the podcast is, is one of those um, mm-hmm. ways of doing that. So. So I think, Sarah, that is a perfect lead-in to tease our season four episodes because we're starting (laughs) to record them, which is super fun. And let me share a little bit about what is coming up for folks in season four. So um, we are hoping to launch season four with the beginning of 2019. So look for it then. Um, But we're going to launch with our goals and intentions for the Mm -hmm. new year. So you will hear a little bit more about that. We are super excited to share We're also going to be talking about some things like working on your own terms, which is a huge theme for Make Your Way and a huge theme for Sarah and my businesses. We're going to talk about some unique business models that we have taken on um, and why and if they're working and Mm -hmm. what do we think about them. And there are definitely things that I do that Sarah would not do. And there are definitely things that Sarah does that I would not do. So we'll (laughs) talk about that too. Um, Uh, We also want to talk about things like intentional growth and planning for growth with our businesses. This is something that is on both of our minds and all kinds of things about like personal and professional boundaries and how we manage that as we're like creating content and Mm -hmm. things like that. So 
All of those things and more are coming in season four. We're super excited to share it with you and um, look for it in probably the first week of January if all goes as according to plan. Well, and Katie, I have to say, uh, you know, this this kind of um, gives a little bit of a a teaser for uh, one of the episodes, but we, you know, and, and demystifies the whole process that we'd actually record these out of order. I think we've said that before. Right. Which actually I'm like, oh yeah, I talked about this on the show when I probably oh, yeah. haven't because you and I talked about it like weeks ago, but it right. hasn't been released yet. So Has if this, anyone's like, what is this what? prolific thing that Katie's talking about? Well, you'll find out well, in you'll the find out season in whatever four. Whatever episode that was. But I I just really, really enjoyed recording the one about um, personal and professional boundaries. I feel like we got into some really kind of nitty gritty things and some kind of really tough topics about personal and professional boundaries and about safety on on the internet and uh, you know curated authenticity and all of these kinds of topics that that I think we've both been thinking about a lot and I, I feel like that was a really rich conversation so I'm excited for our listeners to hear that one and give us some interesting hopefully feedback because well I don't know I don't know how people respond to it but I enjoyed having the conversation so yeah they may want to weigh in on some of the topics definitely interesting <laughs> it was good. Um, but thank you all for hanging in there with us with season three I hope this launch update was really interesting for you and to hear a little bit about how things go behind the scenes Mm -hmm. Um, of course we're going to have tons of links in the show notes if you want to check those out you can always find show notes at um, katielinder.work backslash podcasts or if you want to get super fancy backslash show dash notes um, or show hyphen notes if you want to go directly to that page and um, we welcome you contacting us with feedback or questions about the show about our businesses that you want us to cover you can always email me at contact at katielinder.work that's the best way to get to sarah and i to tell us what you want to hear on make your way so hang in there we'll be back with season four soon and we are super excited to share more about how we are growing and kind of purposefully expanding our businesses into 2019. Woohoo! It's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.